Wow, well, good morning, church. Wasn't that fun? I couldn't help but think as I was sitting on the front pew here being led in worship by just a lot of, a lot of different generations and just different people, I couldn't help but think <laughs> that's, gonna be, that's gonna be like heaven. Isn't that awesome that as, as the body of Christ, the church, it's made up of different ethnicities, different genders, different um, age brackets, different socioeconomic status, all together worshiping the bride of, or as the bride of Christ worshiping her bridegroom. Church, that, that, that sounded like heaven just a few minutes ago. Church family, it's so good to see you this morning. My name is Jeffrey Samplaski. I know I look a little bit different this morning than what some of you are used to, so I felt the need to introduce myself. So I'll, I'll show you a picture of what I'm talking about here in just a minute, if we've got that. So there it is. There it is. Wow, the, for, for the kingdom, the things you do in student ministry, right? Well, church family, this weekend was our Disciple Now weekend. Um, Disciple Now is... Uh, basically, the, the best description that I've, I think I've ever been able to just come up with is it's like youth camp on steroids packed into a weekend. Um, it, it is, and it, really what Disciple Now is, it's what our students celebrated all weekend long. It is the, an event at the very beginning of the year that is a really discipleship focused, where we do what we can, the best that we can to train and equip our students and uh, share just practical practical application to the truth that we've studied um, that'll, that hopefully they'll go on and use in just the lives that they live. And really the, the, the denials that we do at the beginning of the year act as sort of a springboard that launch us into the rest of the year. So students, you'll hear these themes all week or all, all year long coming up again and again. So the, the whole beard thing, where did that come from? So when you make a deal with middle schoolers, you wind up looking like me. So it, it was great, church. Some of our middle schoolers, some of our students made a deal and said, if we bring um, 60 students to Disciple Now, um, then will you shave your beard? So of course I agreed to that one because I was afraid that if they wanted to shave my head, the hair wouldn't come back. So the beard, I know that it'll, it'll come back. There, there's hope there. So. It started out when I agreed to shave my beard and then, you know, creative middle school minds thought, well, what, if, what if you shave half of your beard? And uh, it, was, it was glorious as you saw just a little while ago. But we, we did that, it was a celebration because our students worked so hard in sharing the gospel and sharing in invites with all of their friends that surrounded them. Um, in fact, I heard from last Sunday, I'm gonna call you out, Jordan Sparkman, Travis, and, and his mom walked up to me um, on Sunday, last Sunday, and said, my son is, I'm pretty sure my son has invited all of South Austin. Um, and I've heard stories like that over and over and over again. So of course, we wanted to celebrate those things. And if that's what it takes, so be it. So church family today, um, my goal for today is really not to in any way hijack the service. 
Um, but we are gonna talk a little bit about Disciple Now and what we talked about and the things that God did. And what I wanna do through that is offer you the same truths that we offered our students this weekend and then at the end, um, give you a, really the same charge that our students were charged with um, at the very end of Disciple Now because we are the body of Christ. Um, so we'll talk a little about, bit about what Disciple Now is, um, but the goal today I recognize just like our students, just like the rest of us here, we come as the body of Christ to be fed the word of God. We need to hear from our God this morning. So that is our goal, that is our prize. And today we're gonna invite students up here in just a little while to help with that. But I wanna get into the text, the passage of scripture that your students have been studying all week long or all weekend long in Disciple Now. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Well, church, as you are turning there, I want to take an opportunity just to um, catch you up on the context of 1 Peter. The more I study 1 Peter, in fact, I've been studying this, this book for quite some time now, just in the season that we're in, and I've just seen just how fitting it is for the season that we're in. Just, it's ministered to my heart, to my soul in just such deep ways. And I'll share some of those here in just a little bit. But the context of this passage is where we see a letter from the apostle Peter. And Peter is writing this letter from a, a Roman prison cell. Um, Peter is writing this letter to um, people, Christian exiles, Jewish Christians who have been exiled all around the Roman empire. Oftentimes we refer to this as the diaspora. In other words, these people are living in a place that is not their home. And with that comes some pretty interesting circumstances. You see, these, these Christian Jews are exiled to a land that is not their home. And as a result of that, they are surrounded by paganism. Um, in other words, the, the worship of, of, of false gods. They're surrounded by um, just the world. And as a result of the God that they serve, the God of the Bible, they're facing persecution because of that. So Peter writes this letter from a Roman prison cell to the, these exiled Christians that are dispersed all around the Roman empire. And he writes this sort of as, a, as an encouragement to them. But what's so interesting about this, this text that has just floored me, it's ministered to me in such just amazing ways in the season that we're living in is, Notice what Peter doesn't do in this letter. Peter doesn't offer some like battle plan for the way that he can, um, the, the way that these exiled Christians can uh, run off these, the, their persecutors that surround them. Why? Because their persecutor is not the enemy. Peter doesn't do that. Peter doesn't, also doesn't offer some like escape and evasion plan for these exiled Christians that are facing this persecution so they can slip out into comfort. But rather what Peter does, as you read this letter, if you really consider it, the overall intent of Peter's letter is to call these exiled Christians to embrace their role as exiles in a place that is not their home. He calls them to embrace their role as a people who are not citizens of that land, but rather they are citizens of another land. He calls them to embrace their role as exiles in that land. And here's what I mean by that. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 12 together. It says, so 
So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up to a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying, a, a, laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. So, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Pay attention to this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have received mercy, or had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, so that are honorable, so that when they speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Father, thank you for the, the, the assurance, the fact that there is life in your word. Why? Because you breathed it into it. Father, your people are gathered today to hear from you. Father, the, the weight that I feel standing behind a pulpit whenever I get that opportunity, God, is that these people don't need to hear from me. Father, I, I, have, I have nothing to offer Father, they need to hear from the God of the universe. So Father, I pray that you would um, direct my words, direct our understanding of your text so that we hear your voice today. And as a result of that, because there's power in your word, we walk away transformed. We walk away looking more like Jesus in this world as a peculiar people in this world than we did when we walked in. Be honored and glorified in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So church family, we're gonna spend most of our time looking at verse of, verses nine and 10. That's what we did during Disciple Now. And we started by, look at, by looking at those first two words in verse nine. I love these two words in verse nine that says, but you. But, but you, Peter is addressing these exiled Christians that are facing persecution, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Church, those, those words, but you, have ministered to me over the past few years in, in radical ways. And let me, let me show you what I mean. Peter, in verses six through eight, notice what Peter says here. It says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, 
But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Here it comes. They stumble because they disobeyed the word of God as they are destined to do. This comes right before the text that, that we're gonna be talking about here in just a minute. This is the way that, that, that Peter is describing the onlooking world, the world that surrounds these exiled Christians in a world that is not their home. He is describing them. Essentially what Peter is saying is they're doing that because that's what lost people do. What he's saying is all those things are happening because uh, they're people of this world. They are they are different. They're acting like the world. Church family, I think sometimes some of the tension that, that, that we have as we see the world unfolding around us comes from our failure to see that we are not of this world. We were made for another. But now Peter transitions from describing the world that surrounds um, the, the people of God, these exiled Christians with that but you. And that's where he kicks off and it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Peter is drawing on the Old Testament to describe these exiled Christians. He's not saying, come home. He's not saying, seek refuge. He's saying, look like Jesus. Look like a kingdom people who are made for another kingdom. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I love that last section of this verse. It says a people for his own possession. So in, in the King James version, I find that the translation that the King James uses is really, really interesting. So the word that the King James uses in place of a people for his own possession says you are a peculiar people. I've always found that word more so recently, really interesting, really, really peculiar. It's, it's just an interesting word. And I think by looking at the word this weekend, our theme for Disciple Now was a peculiar people. We are called to be a peculiar people in the world that is not our home as the body of Christ. The same that we see in this century applies to us today as the body of Christ, the church, as a peculiar people. But I think the word peculiar, I found this so interesting over the years. The word peculiar, I think, helps understand what this passage is communicating. And here's what I mean. What do you think of when you hear the term peculiar? Different, all right. We hear things oftentimes, in fact, the, the dictionary describes it as strange, weird, just kind of different, you're right. The world describes it at that way, as, as that, using those, those words. What does scripture say? In fact, what is, I'm reading from the ESV. What do your translations say? Mine says, a people for his own possession. Do you hear the difference between those two camps? One says strange and the other one says mine. You see, church, the point is, is similar to the way that this, wor this word oftentimes has those conflicting definitions as the body of Christ, the world, because we are called to be different in this world. We are called to be holy. We are called to be righteous. We are called to reject the things of this world because what God has, who he is, is better. We are called to be holy in this world. 
The world thinks that's strange. The world thinks that's, that's odd. And I think you know what I'm talking about. The onlooking world sees the body of Christ and says, man, they're, they're just a strange people. But what God says about his people is different. What God says about his people is not that they're strange or some like negative connotation that sometimes the, word, the, the world describes the church as, but rather what the God of the Bible communicates about his people is their mind. We are different, not because we're strange, but because we're not of this world as the body of Christ. We are a peculiar people who are made for another world. So church family, how incredibly humbling is that as the, the people of God? As the people of God through the blood of Jesus Christ who redeems, who calls dead hearts to life, who breathes life into dead bones because of Jesus and only because of the shed blood of Jesus at the cross, his resurrection, defeating sin and death because of Jesus and only Jesus, we have the right to be called these things as members of the kingdom of God. But along with that, what it means, similar to the way that Peter was calling these exiled Christians to live as, as exiled people, embrace their role as exiles in the world that's not their home. Church family, this world is not your home. You were made for another. Church family, we look forward embracing our roles as exiles in this world that is not our home, representing the faithfulness of our God in this world while our eyes are on our home that is to come. Church family, while we're in this world, as a peculiar people, as a people who pursue holiness by the grace of God, as a people who set aside the things of this world that at times can seem appetizing but are really just cheap imitations of the real thing, but church family, as we reject those things of this world and pursue Christ, guess what the world sees? As we pursue those things as the church, the onlooking world sees the church and knows something about the different God that we serve. When they look at the uniqueness, the peculiarity of our of the body of Christ, the people that have been redeemed for Christ, the people that are, are made for another world, they recognize there's something different about the God of the Bible. Notice what this text says as we continue to move. There's a purpose in our being made as peculiar people. There's a purpose in our being redeemed by the blood of Christ, transformed further into the image of Christ in this world, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I've heard one pastor refer to us as a link in the chain. The gospel came to us because it was going to someone else. So church family in this world is the body of Christ. We are here as a peculiar people to represent the God, of our, the God that we serve in a world that is not our home. As the world looks at us as a peculiar people, living godly, the world doesn't understand godliness. It's foreign to the world. When the world may look at the body of Christ and say that's strange, God calls us his 
a church family when we live that way in a world that is not our home, similar to these Christian exiles that are surrounded by paganism, world that is not their home, that those, exile, those exiles represented the God that they serve among the people that surrounded them that have no idea who he is. Church family here in just a minute, I'm gonna invite our students to come up and really hopefully make sense of this. Um, they're gonna come up and share some testimony about what God did through the weekend. And as the people of God, something that I, I tell our students often um, is that our testimony is something that nobody can take away from you. Our testimony, we call it oftentimes our Jesus story. When Jesus entered my life, before that, I was like this. When Jesus entered my life, my life changed. I may not be able to explain it. I may not understand it all. But what I know is that I saw Jesus, I met Jesus, and now I look like this. Church family, the, the world may look at that and think that's a, little, that's a little odd, but they can't take that away from you. Nobody can deny you were like this, but then you met Jesus and now your life has changed. And what we're doing through our testimony is we are bearing witness to the onlooking world about who our God is. So church family, I wanna invite our students to come up um, here, here in just a second. And they're gonna come share testimony and hopefully it makes sense of this. They're gonna bear that same witness about who our God is in this world. So let me invite our first group to come up and join me. Church family, this is our sixth through eighth grade girls. Um, they stayed at the church this weekend and we kind of made it into a, a little bit of a lock-in for them. So if it smells like hamburgers, it's, it's blame them. So church family, this is one of our sixth through eighth grade girls. We learned that through God, it brings us closer together that we're chosen race and peculiar people. We also learned that change or different doesn't always be a bad thing. Through middle school, we've done everything we can to try to fit in, but that's not our purpose. We are supposed to be different and have God be shown through us. That's awesome. Thank you, ladies. Our next group that is on their way up is our sixth through eighth grade guys. Uh, I learned that Christians need the, the church and fellowship. We're, we're going to find him. There he is. Church, this kid smiles more than I've, anybody that I've ever met. It's awesome. It's like, I love this guy. In fact, we, we baptized him as the, the body of Christ baptized him. I tell you what, you can see it. I don't think he stopped smiling since, and it's infectious. Um, we're, um, I learned that we are different in the world's eyes, but holy in God's eyes. Yeah. Amen. Uh, hi. 
So I learned that we should try to spread the gospel even if it costs us friends because friends aren't worth it and the gospel is. That's good, man. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, the next group is our ninth and 10th grade girls. Um, hi, so something this weekend that stood out to our group is that we look different from non-believers because we are a chosen race. Being peculiar means making choices that may be different from the world's standards. We choose to honor and serve others instead of only looking out for ourselves. God told us to love the people we dislike even when you don't like them. The gospel is always worth it, but it's not always easy. Um, it's about the posture of your heart and not your body. That's good, thank y'all. Thank you, ladies. Our ninth and 10th grade boys, sorry, men, young men. Hi everyone, I'm Caleb Catterville. I was with the ninth and 10th grade guys. And uh, we, here we have some important takeaways from the weekend that we wanted to share with y'all. In our discussions, we talked about the importance of community in Christ. We, uh, and we talked about how it's good to stand out in Christ because it makes people want to know more about him. Uh, we talked about giving more control to God when we're making decisions. We talked about how blessed are those who sacrifice for God and how we as believers, we need to appreciate God's love and grace and not take it for granted. That's good stuff. Thank you, guys. We have our 11th and 12th grade girls. Hey guys, I'm Samantha Bruner. I'm currently a senior and saying that I'm getting ready for college right now. Um, and that's had me, or my anxiety and fear has grown a lot because of that. And I have often found myself putting all the pressure on me. Um, and this weekend, one of my leaders brought up that, or Philippians 4, 6 through 8, um, which is a good reminder that whenever I am anxious about anything, present it to God and he'll bring me peace and will lead me on the path he has prepared for me. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Thank you, ladies. And now we have our 11th and 12th grade guys. Uh, hi, um, I'm Jonathan. Uh, we're the 11th and 12th grade. We're the 11th and 12th grade guys. 
Um, the most important part of DNOW for me and my group, the 11th, 12th grade guys, was our small group discussion last night um, following Jeremy Dooley's great message and worship led by Pastor Jeff. We had an extremely real and biblical conversation regarding hard topics like pornography, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, and family life. With the help of King Jesus and our small group leaders, Ricky and Brandon, we were able to get answers to some of our questions as well as prayer and scripture. We found that only through giving Christ full control and aligning our hearts with his heart can Christ deliver us from our fleshly desires and we can be his peculiar people. That's so good, guys. Thank you, guys. Church family, can I take just a minute to just tell you how much I, how humbled I am um, and honored I am to serve your students as their student pastor. It's such a, a fun thing seeing God's work in the lives of teenagers. In fact, um, as we, similar to today, as we hear God's transformational work through, through his people in the lives of his people, similar to the way that our students just shared their testimony and their experiences from this weekend, here's what my life was like Here's what happened as I met Jesus and now this is what he's taught me about himself, his kingdom and living for him in this world. In the same way that we hear those, they, those testimonies from other people, they breathe life into us as the body of Christ. Um, so church family, I, I wanna encourage you, similar to the way that our students, uh, well, first of all, let me, let me challenge you with this. Church, I would encourage you, pray for our teenagers, pray for our, our kiddos, uh, they need it. Um, church family, uh, teenagers in this world, kiddos in this world are facing some pretty heavy things right now. In fact, if I can just kind of bear my soul with you for, for just a minute, students these days are facing um, things like anxiety and depression to a level that I have never seen before. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that that is one of the tactics that the enemy is using to attack the next generation. And I also recognize that with that, there's many of you that are not in that particular generation that are feeling the same way. So church family, the, the way that we combat that is through prayer. So church family, I wanna encourage you to, to pray over our students, pray over our children in this church regularly. In fact, you wanna change the course of history, pour the gospel into the next generation. And I'm grateful for a church that believes in that. In fact, we got to see that in a very, very real way this weekend at Disciple Now. Um, in, in a way, because many of you were serving with us. In fact, I told our students probably several times, let, let's go beyond that, like a hundred times through the weekend. One of the things that ministered to my soul the most this weekend was that this is the first time in my, my ministry that we really didn't have to go outside of the local church, meaning Great Hills, um, to get leadership. So there's, this is probably the most leader-heavy event that we do every year. I mean, it takes an army to put this event together. And we had all but one person our speaker, my, a friend of mine, who's one of my mentors when I was cutting my teeth in student ministry, um, that, that came to speak for us. But everybody else was Great Hills people. 
It, it, was, an, it was an awesome sight to see, seeing it at that event. What, it was a very tangible example of the way that Great Hill surrounds the next generation and how our students, the, the next generation is very much a part of this body. So those, those of you that did serve, those of you that prayed for us, I know many of you did, Many of you came up and, and were here for various reasons through the week or weekend. I just wanna publicly say thank you. Um, what we got to see this weekend was the body of Christ in action. And church family, what I wanna challenge you with now is the same thing that I, we challenged our students with going into, or at the end of D now, as they get ready to walk into this world. Church family, similar to the way that Peter encouraged these Christian believers living in a world that's not their home, he said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church family, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this world is not your home. We were made for another. So church family, I wanna challenge you. I wanna encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Church family, he is coming. He is faithful to deliver on his promises and he will take his bride to be with himself so that where he is, there we will be also. Church family, that hope, a hope that is anchored in that, the stone that cannot be shaken that's a hope that'll get us through this world and deliver us safely into the world to come. Church family, as we consider that, my last challenge to you, as the body of Christ, embrace your role as exiles in this world. It's not your home. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the beauty of your word. Father, I thank you for the fact that your, your word gives life. It breathes life into, God, it breathes life into dead people. Father, it makes people of the world into kingdom citizens that are made for another. Father, your word transforms. So God, I pray that your word as it went forth would fall on fertile soil. God, that you would transform us, me, me included, that you would transform us to look more and more and more like Christ in this world so that through your church, we would be faithful to declare your excellencies in this world. Father, be honored as we go out as exiles into the areas of the city that we live in. I love that God, we've got people at Great Hills that drive from all over the place. We've got people that are online right now that are all over the country. In fact, they're all over the world. Father, as we get ready to go, we're going back to the mission field that you've called us to live in. Father, I pray that we would be faithful exiles. Father, that we would be faithful kingdom citizens that represent your excellencies well. God, that the onlooking world would hear the words, the truth out of our mouths, matched by the actions, the godly, holy actions that we display, and that the onlooking world would then become kingdom citizens. Father, that, they, that then and through that, through your church, would be included into the body of Christ, because Jesus deserves that. Father, we plead with you to do just that. 
It's in the mighty, awesome name of Jesus that we